Get in on the action and make your bet with Sports Interaction. Summer is heating up with baseball. Can the Jays make a run at the division? Oh, <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> uh, hey, but you can bet before the game, whichever way you think. Live and in play uh, at all your favorite teams and hot dog contests. Woo! Woo! Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN or download the app to get started. It's 19 plus. And what do you have to do, Steve? Please play responsibly. Welcome to Nailing the Apex, everyone. Please head on over to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a follow. Same goes with Apple Podcasts as well. You can also watch us on YouTube. You can follow me on social media at Tim Haraney. Joining me today for the emergency pod, Jesse Blake, Adam Wild. Guys, what's going on? Woo. Oh, it's a big day, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> big Adam, day. Adam, before you got here, Tim was saying he wanted to sleep. And then Alpha Tori and Daniel Ricardo decide they're going to wake him up today. So no, no sleep for Tim. No, Tim, why were you up so late? What are you, partying or something? What's the deal? Dude, I just flew back from the UK. Yeah, I don't have any excuses. No excuses. Alpatori <laughs> waits for nobody. <laughs> Slowest car on the grid, but it's the driver's fault. Uh, yeah, apparently. It was it was interesting. I was sitting down with Nick DeVries on Thursday, and it didn't really... Honestly, it kind of sounded like they were going to give him a bit of a reprieve in terms of how long their the leash was going to be let out. And, you know, it really sounded like... You know, summer break was yep. a bit of the cutoff yep. um, for him. But I think what happened on Tuesday, because Daniel Ricardo had his um, Pirelli tire test, I think that's what, what really moved the moved the needle in terms of getting him back into the car and back into the back into the fold. Um, now he is on loan from Red Bull Racing, but He's still in the family. He's still, sure. et cetera, et cetera. They can move him along. But guys, I, I, uh, I was a little bit shocked by this one. Were you? I mean, like a lot of people were. Like most of most of the uh, people who cover Formula One didn't see this coming. I think I think the thing that that got me was that you know a he had been um, you know people had written him off at McLaren. Um, B, he came back as sort of like a marketing guy. Like, that's how they phrased it. Like, oh, you know, he's going to take a year off and have his time. And he was adamant that he didn't want to drive. Like, he could have been driving for Haas this year um, easily. Uh, they, I believe they had a seat for him. Uh, but, you know, I think there was uh, – what which surprised me, I think, the most is that how quickly this happens. Like, mm -hmm. you would think – I know that Red Bull does switch drivers midseason. Um, but Nick DeVries got – objectively the worst car on the grid and he got 10 races to try and see and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what his bar for success would have been because from what I'm reading it was because you know they were they're they're concerned about Sergio which didn't help him and then you know Yuki's had some good races despite the bad car um and that their their sim times on on, on laps and that sort of thing are just not similar enough I I don't know what I don't know what the the thing for me, Tim, that was the most perplexing about this is not Daniel coming back. It's what did Nick DeVries do that was that bad? Was he that bad? Yeah, it was just wasn't good. It wasn't working out well for him at all. I mean, throughout the whole weekend at the the British Grand Prix, I mean, they introduced they introduced a fairly significant upgrade to the car. I mean, the car got that car got a full like a full upgrade, and there were points within pre practice qualifying where you know, Nick was still five, six, seven tenths off of off of Yuki, uh, and I think they were expecting a little more from Nick after the upgrades got introduced. And I don't okay. think they were. I don't think they were getting it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think they were getting it from him. And I just think it was just a bit of a struggle the the entire weekend. And I, it 
it's it's tough because I really think that as a driver and especially in this new uh, formula, they need to be given more time. Mm-hmm. Like it's really difficult these new regulations, and I really think that the drivers should like Yuki has right. He's gotten he's in his third year, and he really looks like he's starting to come into his own. And I think that's that should be same for a lot of the drivers. But granted, Jesse, I mean, DeVries did come in with quite a bit of experience. Yeah, well. Like, Adam, you mentioned the speed at which this happened. And, like, that's what really stands out to me. Because I'll, I want to ask AlphaTauri, what happened between the winter and what you thought of Nick DeVries and signing him to now? Because that doesn't seem like enough time of an evaluation period. Because oh, we understand, like, he's been considerably worse than Yuki. But it's really only half a season. I thought maybe at the end of the year, you move, you move to Daniel Ricardo, You know, you bring him back. So... I wonder about the Sergio piece. Uh, we mentioned that as well, you know, because I saw a couple rumors going out there that bringing in Daniel Ricardo is a little bit of a push to Sergio Perez to say that, hey, we got somebody in waiting now who's on the grid. But I feel for Nick DeVries because I wonder if he's going to look back on this time and say, hey, I didn't really get a fair shake at this. I agree. Only because, like as a like I was saying with... The regulation, I mean, it's it's really challenging to to ask these drivers to be fast right away, to really mm-hmm. understand the tire, to really understand what the car needs. Um, but I think also on the other side of that, I think like Daniel Ricciardo, this, this is, I mean, I think they wanted him in that seat for a while. And I know talking to him in Miami, and he had mentioned to me that, you know, this tire test that he was doing today on Tuesday, that that was going to... Um, give the team a better understanding of where he's at in terms of his pace and his performance. Because when they brought him into Red Bull, I think, you know, Christian Horner's idea was to try and get the old Daniel Ricciardo back. And I think Daniel lost himself along the way, and especially at McLaren, uh, in terms of his driving style, what he needs to do, because that really reflected a lot on what the Red Bull cars had been able to do is how Daniel was able to drive those cars because they were a little geared more towards his style and what um, he does. And I think, you know, going into the simulator, performing really well there. And from what I'm told at this test that he did today, he was like, he was immediately quick right away. He was setting times that would have put him on the front row for this past weekend's British Grand Prix. Wow. So, so is there a cascade effect here? Like, uh, we've looked at Sergio Perez not being able to get out of um, Q1, probably three of the last five races. He's not even gotten into Q3, I don't think, in the last five races. And not that it, it's going to cost Red Bull this year because Max Verstappen is, is you know, F1 Jesus at the, at the moment. He, he would be leading water. the constructors on his own. Yeah, 100%. Like, 100%. That's... that's just so crazy, right? But, yeah. like... You know, in a, in a future year when teams like, I would think, Mercedes, you can never count out. Ferrari's not going to be on the back burner forever. And we've got McLaren in a resurgence and Aston Martin kind of new on the scene. I would expect next year to probably be more competitive. Yeah. Um, are they concerned that Sergio Perez is maybe not the guy for next season? Yeah, I think so. I Okay. I think this is basically them having a look at you know, what, what can Daniel do considering that this is a really difficult car to drive? I mean, cause this could be, this could potentially be it for Daniel Ricardo. 
Mm-hmm. Right. If he doesn't really perform well here, that could be the end, the end of the end of it for him. I don't really see Red Bull taking a chance on him if he's not performing well in the Alpha Tower. Considering though the Alpha Tower is probably the most difficult car to throw yourself back into Formula One into. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a uh, very um it's a very uh tall mountain for him to climb. There is no doubt about that. But I think that also, like you guys had said, puts pressure on Sergio Perez because now it's like if if Perez consistently underperforms for the remainder of the season i got a feeling he's going to be replaced jesse by dana ricardo yeah and i think it's important to say that like we're really happy for daniel ricardo because he's such a great ambassador for f1 he's he's, his role right now is global ambassador like how drake was the global ambassador for the raptors you know he's just (laughs) he's such a a ball of fun at any every moment he's on screen on camera at an f1 race and he's going to be great for drive to survive again and just having him at the track every week uh as a reserve driver was fantastic to see and having back in, in the seat is great for the sport itself mm-hmm. but you you feel that like red bull's using him right now to put pressure on their main driver and and you feel for nick DeVries. so there's all this other stuff that he's involved with but just having daniel ricardo back is so good for the entire sport of f1 it was funny when i was uh in on the the presser with with Nick because you're literally like you literally sit down with him like you're right beside him kind of thing chatting chatting with him and like the Netflix crew was like I believe that if I remember correctly they were kind of like around like they had the big boom pole and it was going in now I don't know if that was um Alpha Towery's social media team I don't think it was because they don't normally tape those sit down press interviews usually mm-hmm. that's that is Netflix but yeah, I mean, I guess now that I look back on it right now, it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, yeah, this may have been a lot closer than I think a lot of people thought. Because it was funny, because I was like literally walking through the paddock on, I think it was like Saturday or Sunday, and a buddy of mine who's a journalist came up. He's like, oh, I got this really big story and I'm working on and da da da. And I'm like, oh, sick. I'm like, is that, is it, uh, I'm like, what do you think? Like, Ricardo to Alpha Tower? And he's like, Oh no, I don't think it's that at all whatsoever because like, it's like nobody <laughs> nobody sees that ha- no one saw that happening. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just interesting, Jesse just kind of took everybody by surprise. So I, I got a question for you guys. Um the the Pirelli tire test was to happen today. I was excited to see what the results of that were for Red Bull. Um and I think Mick Schumacher was was also racing as well, I think for Mercedes. Um but I my question was they are now saying that that test this morning pushed this across the line. Yes. Do we actually believe that? Yes. So Daniel would have known stepping into the car this morning that if he raced well, he would have a seat. I, that's a great question. I don't, I don't know what his mindset would have been jumping into the car. I, I remember like, cause I've spoken to Daniel quite a bit this season, like uh, on camera, off camera, all that kind of stuff. And I always got the sense, I always got the sense that it was, if I do well at this tire test, then I have a shot at coming back into Formula One, but I'm not sure if I want it to be under Alpha Tower. Mm. That was my sort of sense of all this, where maybe it's, maybe it's the Red Bull, the Red Bull umbrella, the Red Bull family saying like, hey, let's put you here. Let's see what you do. And then if you perform well 
then we'll move you to the big team again. We'll bring you back. Do you think that's what w- would have convinced them? I definitely think that this tire test, though, was extremely important for them to get a gauge on uh, where he's at because you got to remember he's not necessarily like he's not out on the track driving current formula one cars right all he Mm -hmm. is doing is he's in a simulator and that simulator information and data is getting compared to max and sergio's and they are trying to get daniel back up to speed again they're trying to get his confidence back helping him get back to the i guess the ricardo of old in quotation marks um Mm -hmm. and i think that was that was important for them to get him as ready as he could be so they could evaluate him in a, in the RB 19, which is what they did today. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that Adam, what's the, what's the advantage of doing this now, as opposed to at the summer break, because usually if you're going to make a huge move like this, you do it when you have like four weeks of space, you know, you get everybody acclimatized, the news is kind of dying down, then you pop up and do this. But right now you're doing this and uh, next week we got a race and he's got to hop in the car. Yep. What's the reason for the, the quickness of this decision? Yeah, I think it's to try and just get him comfortable, get the confidence back. And the thing is with being out of a race car for being out of the race car for a few weeks, it's, uh, it tends to take a bit of time. Well, not like a ton of time, but it does tend to take a bit for you to get your confidence and get back up to speed. And now with Ricardo, what I you know believe is trying to build him up again. Mm-hmm. And the more seat time they can give him to get him back to where he was, especially in a Formula One car, in race conditions, um, actually out on the track because the simulator is still different from actual racing that's the most important thing and i think that's why they decided to just do this really quickly so you build this confidence so at the end of the year you can buy out sergio and put him in (laughs) the red bull car yeah i mean potentially right like i don't know the ins and the outs of sergio's contract nobody nobody does Mm -hmm. uh but i believe it does go till the end of 2024 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there would have to be some sort of clause like a performance clause maybe uh, within the contract itself that states if he's not within a certain bar of max, then they have to consider maybe letting him go. I'm not sure. I mean, the thing with driver contracts, guys, is like they're very, uh, they're very convoluted and they are very complex. And so you never can say, you know, it's because of this, it's because of that. It it has this, it has that in it. But I mean, all you can do is really assume at the end of the day. No one really knows. Uh, but I I mean, I think the writing is on the wall for Sergio where it's like, you know, start performing mm-hmm. or else we'll have to figure this out. Is there a scenario where, um, and there, there have been kind of, we know that AlphaTauri is going to be rebranded. Uh, I personally hope it goes back to Toro Rosso, but it's not going to. Uh, it should have it stayed Toro Rosso, in my opinion. It was, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's the it Red Bull sick. second team. It should have been, it should still be. But they're going to rebrand it again. And the idea is, because I think Red Bull looked at selling the team and then they thought, you know what, we're better to hold on to it. Probably because the sport's going to make a pile of money, just in enterprise value over the next 10 years. But they're going to uh, uh, rebrand it, bring it closer to the Red Bull brand is what we keep hearing, right? Um, even if Sergio, let's say Sergio has an unbelievable last 12 races of the year, mm-hmm. right? 
Uh, or is it is it thirteen races we have left? I don't even I don't even remember. Uh, let's say his last his last few races were like his first five to seven, which were awesome races. He did great. Uh, is there any value to having a guy like Daniel Ricardo there um, at the AlphaTauri team, looking more competitive? Because at the end of the day, Red Bull does have the best car on the grid. There's no reason why you know that AlphaTauri or whatever their successor is can't catch that. Uh, they do have the ability to share resources. Um, I'm not sure how much Adrian Newey time that AlphaTauri gets, but can't they just copy it? Uh, and and so my thinking is, okay, so if you're Red Bull, and this is a whole big branding exercise for you, whether or not Daniel Ricciardo is in the um, B spot with the A team or the A spot with the B team, doesn't matter, he's there. And you can keep Sergio if he performs. Uh, and when that rebrand happens, you have a very noticeable, probably the most recognized face in Formula One outside of Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen as your A driver or A A A minus driver because Yuki is supposed to be the A driver. I think one of the things is making this more of a a B team, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. And I think with that comes uh, the utilization of a lot of Red Bulls current components for the rb19 now you can't directly copy another car um you can be given components and parts and things of that nature but i think next season's rebranded alpha towery team their car is probably going to you know get closer to what the rb19 is Mm -hmm. and i think if you're daniel ricardo that's I mean, and let's say like Sergio performs really well um, from here on out and they decide that they're going to keep him. Then mm-hmm. if Dan Ricardo's performing really well, then you lock him into that Alpha Tauri seat with potentially Yuki Sonoda. And you now have a car that's probably going to be a lot more competitive than this season's car is. I mean, even if you take the RB19 and you throw it into next season, it's still going to be a top line car. Like no it's question. Still, <laughs> like it's still no going to be really good. Yeah. Um, and I think if if Daniel, if he's already performing well in the RB19, like he did on Tuesday, then I mean, next season would be a good season for him, theoretically, if right. he's able to find his form again and and come back and be competitive. There's also the rumors about about Yuki Tsunoda with Aston Martin, right? Because Honda is leaving Red Bull after next season and going to to be the Aston supplier. And Honda's a big sponsor of Yuki, and Yuki's a big fan of Honda. And there's the Japanese kind of national connection there. Is that something? I don't think so. Not right yet. Not okay. until not until we get closer to to 2026, right? Because then Honda's going to start moving a lot more of their production resources over to Aston Martin and potentially Aston Martin's factory in a way, mm-hmm. um, depending on what they can build on, on their site. Um, I think that for, for Yuki, it's just keep performing, you know, keep, keep performing, keep, keep being competitive because yeah, you don't know, you could make that switch to Aston Martin for, for 2026, right? That could mm-hmm. be a possibility. So I think for Yuki, it's just, he's going to have to hold on here and and keep, keep doing well. Tim, do you have any insight on what's next for Nick DeVries? Is he, is this his F1 career? Is it done? Like, where does he go from here? Back to F2? 
Uh, no, because yeah, like he won the championship in Formula Two, so he can't really he can't go back. But right. I mean, he could take he could take a move into IndyCar. There are some IndyCar teams uh, that do like him um, that have shown some interest in trying to you know get him for a test or get him. So I think IndyCar could be an option uh, for Nick, but. I highly doubt it would be for this this season. It would probably be more something for next year if he's able to work out some sort of a deal that re- that requires not having to bring any funding or sponsorship because some of the IndyCar teams that are at the back still need a driver to bring some some funding to the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also Formula E could be back on the table too, right? I mean, he did win a championship there. He was very competitive there. I mean, Total Wolf really liked him, uh, even though you know Total Wolf doesn't really have too many more connections left in formula e since you know mercedes is done there but yeah i think his options could be could be pretty big the thing is once you get the f1 right it's kind of like the top of the top Mm -hmm. and you're not really gonna you know where else is there to go right like you can't go any higher but Mm -hmm. you know you can you can do transitional moves and you can go to WEC, right there are teams that would definitely take interest in a driver like nick devries because he's won championships before. Like he like he is a champion. Like we can't sit here and say just because he had to try and come to grips with a difficult Alpha Tauri car to drive and then he was let go. You can't say that he's not good. Like he is he is good. He just is. So I think like there are options like that available for him. But I mean it is it is really tough to see, right? But Yeah. <laughs> Feel, feel for the, the guy. guy. Yeah. yeah, I feel bad for the guy, right? Like yeah. it's his stuff. Adam, uh, you had a question about McLaren, like in our well, text I, I I do, but I have one quick. I got one more question about Alphatari because <laughs> because here's the thing: they're also moving on from Franz Sost at the end of the year, right? Do you know? Do you have any insight into who might take over there? Yeah, they're trying to get Laura Meckes from Ferrari over to the team. There has been a press release that was issued by Alphatari a while ago stating that you know Laurent was going to be the the team principal. However, he is still doing work for Ferrari. I did see him in the paddock wearing Ferrari gear on the mm-hmm. weekend. So he is still a part of Ferrari. So I don't know if there's anything going on with the buyout of his contract or how that negotiation works. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is you know, believed that he will be the team principal for whatever the unnamed red bull second team is going to be right? i wondered i wondered if it was that or if it was like a name like mattia Bonotto, who i think his they call it a gardening contract in europe but you know he's playing out his deal at home is that a name that re-enters formula one circles i haven't heard that yet like uh i keep hearing laurent's name being mm-hmm. associated with with that i think losing well i, mean, I shouldn't say losing i mean i think not having um friends at the team is is going to be a tough transition because mm-hmm. there's you know whoever comes in whoever that's going to be uh you know they're going to want to restructure internally right and there's going to be a lot of moving parts that's going to happen there and that sometimes affects the race car so uh, it it could be difficult for alpha tower or it could be a smooth transition okay all right and my question about mclaren is because this is for my <laughs> grid rival pool all right um, am, am I, am I investing in these guys? Cause here's the thing. You can get Lando and you can get Oscar and you can get the, uh, the McLaren, uh, team at a pretty good price right now, if they're going to be good, but if they're going to be the way they were at the start of the year, they're way overpriced and that, and it's not worth the buy. So I'm trying to figure out 
And I know that it was like high speed corner Palooza at Silverstone. Um, I know Hungary is a much more windy track, which is going to uh, lend itself to more agile teams. I mean, Red Bull can do pretty much anything this year, but I would think Mercedes will probably be a little bit higher up on the grid. Maybe Ferrari as well. Their upgrades have seemed to work out well, although Charles just looks dejected at this point. Um, are McLaren kind of like Williams and they're really good on straightaway speed and not great on the corners or are like, are they for real? Are they back? Are they going to, you know, are they going to challenge here? Like, are we, am I, am I in for a good back? I just need to know. Cause they were finishing like 18th and 19th before. Uh, okay. This is what I can tell you. And this is straight from the team. Okay. Uh, so this is from like Andre Stella and Lando Norris. Um, okay. So the car was good at the British Grand Prix for a number of factors. The upgrades, yes. The car is good in high-speed corners like like they are at Silverstone. You don't get a ton of those throughout the season, though. Mm -hmm. um, and it's good with certain temperatures. It was cooler during the British Grand Prix. Like, I had my jacket on and stuff like that. And and they feel that, you know, Hungary could be a bit of a challenge if there's a race involved that has really high uh, track ambient temperature that could be a problem because of how the car uses uses the tire i believe lando had said something and i'm uh, paraphrasing here but like the car was only 30 percent better type type thing where they still have a ways to go mm -hmm. um i think there's with other teams as well like we're starting to see there's going to be flashes where mclaren's going to be really good mm -hmm. and then there's going to be setbacks where they're going to struggle like aston martin we get to now we're starting to see aston martin as we go to other tracks aston martin's really competitive or they're not that competitive okay or same with ferrari like austria was great for ferrari canada was a good race for ferrari as well um those types of tracks for them really suit their car so you know they're going to be battling they're going to be up towards the front same with mercedes I would say looking at all of this is that I would say since Mercedes did their upgrade, they've honestly looked the most consistent. Okay. Like they kind of really understand how the car and the tire works because it's not necessarily a qualifying thing. It's more of a race thing where a lot of these teams will use Haas as an example. I always use them as an example because they're like the biggest ones that drops off the fastest is that mm -hmm. qualifying pace is really great get in the race and the tire just goes away and so does the car and the balance is gone. And so like, it's a really fine details that these teams are trying to search to figure out how to make sure that the car is fast and qualifying, but ables is able to handle the tire within the race. Um, and, and that's sort of where like Red Bull has figured, figured all that out. Okay. If you so took it's... Red Bull out of this season, it's truly one of the most interesting seasons we've had in a long crazy. time. 100%. The midfield, everybody's so close yes. and race to race, yeah. you never know which car is going to work. Yes. And it's just it's been <laughs> fabulous from two down. Oh, like, yes. it's been great to watch. Oh yeah. Yes. It's uh I, I mean, it's like Fernando said in I think it was Miami. He had said it where it's like, you know, it's like you said, Jesse, you remove Red Bull from the front row. And it's like this. We're talking about a legendary season, yeah, probably like one of the best Formula One seasons ever. Oh, yeah. 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 So, OK, so let me ask you this, Tim. In Hungary, week and a half time, which I can't believe is going to be July 23rd oh. in a week and a half. Crazy. <laughs> we obviously know Red Bull's going to do great unless there's a crash or somebody's sick. Right. That's that's just a, so. What teams do you believe will stand out in Hungary? 
I think Aston Martin's going to be pretty competitive and hungry. I mean, Red Bull will obviously be there. And I also think Mercedes is going to be pretty competitive there too. Uh, I, I kind of, I kind of look at Ferrari from the standpoint of when they've got the car figured out, it's really fast. Like, you know, Leclerc was very, you know, Leclerc was pretty handy at, mm-hmm. you know, a track like Austria, a track like Austria is, it's a little similar to Hungary. Only I think Austria's probably got like more higher speed corners than, than Hungary does. But I think like I was saying with, with Mercedes is they, I think they have the most consistent package right now where Aston Martin tight twisty tracks that kind of favors them. So I, I think those are going to be the two teams that'll, I guess when we remove Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't, you like, what, what are we going to say? Like, well, they won again. Like, that's right. right. <laughs> Max is going to win by 17 seconds. You well, it's interesting. Like Max, it, when we were in the um, post-race press conference, like Max said to us, like Austria would be interesting because he felt that, you know, some of the teams were starting to claw into their, into their performance advantage. And it does look like they have, mm-hmm. like the teams are getting closer in race pace. You know, Max only had like an eight, nine second lead um, during the race at the British Grand Prix. Uh, but he he did make mention that he thought Hungary was going to be interesting. And like, I've never actually like this season, I haven't heard him say like, hey, when we get to the next race, it's going to be, it'll be interesting. So that's got me curious. Mm-hmm. That that kind of reminds me kind of like Monaco vibes where, you know, Q3 Verstappen's like digging into the bag of tricks to try and like pull out a tenth of a second to beat Alonso for pole. Yeah, That's that final sector, me. like that final sector is going to go down as one of the best moments of the season. Oh, that was legendary. crazy. Like, oh, crazy. Unbelievable. Guy, the guy's unbelievable. Um, I know, Adam, we all got to run here, but um, I just want to let everybody know if they head over to our Instagram account, SDPN Tim Haraney. We are giving away gold grandstand tickets for this weekend's Honda Indy Toronto. Uh, the giveaway is courtesy of our friends at Honda Canada. And outside of that, if you're listening to this uh, later, uh, it basically the giveaway, we're going to announce the winner Wednesday evening. So, yeah, <laughs> could be tough. <laughs> guys, thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> thanks very much for doing this. Really appreciate it. And I know you got some crazy things planned for the indie, so you do. You you should get some uh, some sleep, man, because it is going to be a uh, it's going to be a wild couple of weeks for you. Yeah, it's it's already been a wild couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tim. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to Nailing the Apex. Please head over to Spotify, give us a five star rating and a follow. Same goes with Apple Podcasts. You can also watch us on YouTube as well. You can follow me on social media at Tim Haraney. We're going to have Simon Pagenaud on the show on Wednesday. I did say he was going to be on today, but this emergency pod has pushed him to Wednesday. <laughs> so Simon Pagenaud will be out on Nailing the Apex Preview, the Toronto Indy on Wednesday. Thanks again, everyone, for watching and listening.